Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? My name is Nick Ingvall, and this is the Sneaker History Podcast. For me, sneakers has never really been about the shoes. It's been about the people. Sneakers have been the connection to friends, business partners, unforgettable stories and memories, and opportunities that I could have never imagined. My goal has always been to create something that opens doors for others to find ways to do something they're passionate about for a living. If you're already a member of the Sneaker History Discord, you know how great the community we have is. It's so much more than sneakers. When someone needs some help getting through a tough time, the community is there. When someone in the community drops a new product line or publishes their first YouTube video, everyone is quick to support. That's why this year we'll be launching a series of new podcasts directly from the community. The first is a Formula One-focused podcast hosted by myself, Rohit Malhotra, and Todd Yates, where we hope to make becoming an F1 fan a little easier and give you a better understanding of the sport whether you're just starting to watch or a longtime fan, you can check it out at exhaustnotes.fm or linked in the description for this episode. As always, thank you for supporting Sneaker History, and don't forget to tell someone you like their kicks today. What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and today I've got a special episode for you where I'm going to dive into something that uh, actually probably is a little more historic than we normally get into on the podcast. We're going a little bit further back Further back than even my age, and you know, you all know how old I am. So, uh, with me today, I have Nate McGinnis, who basically is kind of uh, bringing back some memories for a lot of people with Red Ball Jets. Nate, how's it going? Welcome to the show. It's great to be here, man. I appreciate you having me. So, how you know? I, I guess let's start with just sneakers in general. You know, sneakers are such a competitive landscape how'd you decide you were gonna bring back this brand red ball jets from you know 50s 60s i i i mean for me this is like not to not put my exact age out there but this is definitely like my dad's shoe versus my lifetime you know i'm i fall more onto the you know the chuck taylor world as a kid kind of thing so how did you how did you decide to do this and what did that process look like well, you know, and I'm with you. I think we're probably around the same age. So the same thing. This wasn't a shoe I grew up with. Um, but what I have grown up in the in the industry, I've been in the footwear industry maybe 50, over 15 years uh, and doing design development, innovation and all kinds of other things for all, all kinds of brands and making products from, uh, you know, 
uh, safety boots made for uh, drilling oil in, the, in, in 150 degree, that negative degree uh, weather to little girls, sparkly flip flops to sneakers to, you know, hikers, you name it. And so and all kinds of different end users and things like that. So, you know, footwear is definitely my background. But when when we had an opportunity to to uh, bring back this brand, you're, you're right. The first thing is, OK, what <laughs> sneakers are competitive. Um, but what the reason that we wanted to do it was, number one, it was, you know, there's never been a more exciting time to be involved in the sneaker business right now. Sneaker culture is, is as you know, you know, it's just huge. It's finally having its, its, its moment. And, uh, and for that reason, it's what a great time to bring back one of the iconic original sneaker brands from the, you know, 1950s, 1960s. The, the actual brand goes, you know, even further back uh, to its previous ownership uh, by the company Ballband which, you know, was in the 1800s, like late 1800s, right? So, and they, they made all kinds of different footwear, not like the, the footwear that we're used to today. But I mean, it's, you know, it was made in uh, Mishawaka, Indiana. And, um, you know, the, it, from the 1950, 1951 to 1971, it was a national, this is a national iconic brand right up there with all the other sneaker brands that you knew from that era. And it just, when uh, it, the, the factory got acquired and the brand got shelved, and um, and we felt like, man, there's a there's a real opportunity to bring back this this really cool, iconic brand, um, but infuse it, like, continue the story, you know, continue the evolution and uh, make the product a little different, you know, a little better and, and all that good stuff. So it was it was really exciting just to be able to bring back an iconic brand. But for the sneaker game, you know, you've got there, there's so much going on now in terms of, you know, collaborations reselling the fact that people are finally recognizing sneakers as a way to express themselves and and artist you know it's, it's sort of a canvas to uh, give yourself some artistic expression. And, and now there's collabs with all kinds of places where, you know, it, it's just never been before, you know, there's food collabs, there's, it's all over. So to me, yes, it's competitive, but it's also super exciting time to, to be bringing back a great uh, sneaker brand. Yeah. I 100% agree. That's actually really awesome to hear you say that because on on our podcast, you know, we are, you know, we're very much in the sneaker culture for now, but I'm I'm the same, about about the same tenure in the footwear industry as you, it sounds like. And, you know, as much as like with, I would say, sneakerheads specifically, there's a lot of negativity that you see on social media, but like, I feel exactly the same, you know, of the 15 plus years I've been doing all this stuff is by far the most exciting time because there is so many opportunities out there that, you know, as a kid, I just could never have even imagined half of these things existed. I thought you're either CEO or you're a designer or, or you're a salesman, right? Like those are the three roles that I thought existed in footwear before all of this kind of came to be my career. So um, that's really, really cool to hear you say that. And I think our listeners will, appreciate that because you know you see so many kind of attempts at these these kind of comeback brands and you see like even even more you know like more substantial brands that made huge impacts in the 80s and 90s and then you see people just kind of like you know for better or worse we see all of the the action that happens with these companies and i don't want to call anybody out but there's brands that easily have enough name recognition to exist, but then people just, they try to do all these crazy collabs and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and I like 
just really appreciate that all these people are trying, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you, you hit these things where like, a, you know, you mentioned a food collab or something like that. Those are the kind of things that I think, you know, become, you know, they, they're fun to do on the business side. They get the name out there in front of new people yet. Like, you know, it only is going to resonate with certain people. And I think like the sneakerhead community kind of almost like in a, in some sense, like kind of, you know, nose up towards that type of thing. But like, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Like there's so many people behind the scenes like yourself that are getting to do creative stuff for the last 15 years because of all this energy that's been building. And, you know, it's really cool to hear that. Cause I think that's my first, my first kind of, you know, response when I hear about new things coming up is all like, it, it always feels like a, just a, a big, you know, big business that, that said, Oh, cool. Let's just bring that back and we'll have a, a team of people that work on it. But there's nobody that's passionate about it behind it. Right. You're just getting, those people are just getting paid to do a job. And then the results look like they just got paid to, to do something. And then it disappears after, you know, four or five years. So um, cool to hear that, uh, you know, obviously best of luck with this, but um, how, how, how did you end on red ball jets specifically, you know, especially from that era, there's so many, I would say like smaller companies that, you know, you mentioned as like the acquisitions happen, you know, I would assume that ball band probably did all sorts of crazy rubber manufacturing, right? Like they probably made everything from tires to, you know, floor mats. what. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Formats, yeah. Things during the war, they made, they made, they got into everything. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, st so they, they stopped making shoes around, I want to say, uh, 1971, I think is when they stopped shoe manufacturing and focused on a lot of other things. Um, and then they, they actually, they closed the factory and imploded in 2000. And if you look back at the history, yeah, they made a little bit of everything, but there was, there was about, you know, 30 or 40 years between the ball band, uh, name and red ball. Um, they, they made, you know, footwear and to your point, it was, some of it was like rubber wellies and things like that. What was cool about red ball jets first of all just the name is great uh, yeah. but it, it was it was the the only brand that they had that was really a national brand it was set in the same breath as is all the other the uh, shoes in that era right so it was you know there there were you can go back and in fact i think we just dropped a, a an old commercial an old black and white commercial but they you know that it was on it, they had national raffles and they were on they were in the back of comic books and all that good stuff so red ball jets was really the the one that was really well known and it was the only one that that wasn't already uh out there and so you know there were a couple of things one um all the other brands are really owned by multi-billion dollar you know publicly traded you know footwear big, big companies. And so we knew that there was something to this sort of this era of footwear. Um, and we had a chance to sort of revisit it, but also reimagine it. And, and because all these other ones had sort of already been, they'd all, they'd never really left the market. And so for them to tell a new story, they had to undo, you know, 50 plus years of, of, uh, history. And we didn't, uh, we got a chance to take this iconic thing from that era, but bring it, modernize it. And bring modern comfort and modern materials, and and do do a few uh, new things to it, um, and and then also to like I said to sort of con continue the story, and continue the evolution as a sneaker brand. So yeah, our so our first product we came out with um, is definitely a nod. It, we took the artwork from one of the originals, uh, the um, ads. 
I said, okay, we're going to kind of keep the same iconic look on the outside, but um, we're going to add some modern features to it to make it more comfortable. And we also did uh, a lot of case studies and and just uh, meeting with people and talking with people that that like and wore that vulcanized construction look and said, okay, wh- what do you like about it? And what, what would you make better about it? What would you change? And um, the number one thing was comfort. So everybody wanted to keep the cool classic look and the super clean, but what they wanted was comfort and a couple of other things that we've put in here. So we really focused a lot on the fit. Um, we knew from just years of making all kinds of different products, you know, how to make a good, comfortable fitting product. Um, and then we also made, we spent a lot of time on the footbed. So I know uh, your, your listeners can't see this, but you know, this is a PU footbed, which is the premium product that you put in under underfoot cushioning. Um, we also did a, uh, an antimicrobial here. So, so most of the other vulcanized brands out there, they don't they don't have a removable footbed it's not pu it's not perforated for more airflow um it's antimicrobial it's got a lot more support which is another thing people really asked for in these products and um and so we also did uh, a little treatment on the outside of the material on the canvas so that it sheds water and dirt stuff and stays clean and longer and all that good stuff so we we tried to sort of elevate the pro- nobody needed a fourth brand that looked the same you know looked similar similar price point similar selling in the similar channels so we wanted to sort of elevate the product we did some leather trim and some little artistic things and then really just added some some modern comfort features and things like that to sort of um, bring it back. And the other thing that really excited us about sort of bringing this Red Ball Jets brand back was that, you know, DTC has never been, you know, DTC is a game changer for us. And and for those of us that have been in the footwear uh, business long enough, we primarily focused on, you know, a lot of our careers in the wholesale channel. And as, you know, on the creative side, that that can be really frustrating because, you know, we can make amazing designs, come out with a really, uh, really cool color palette. We can bring new innovations into, you know, real innovation, not marketing, just it's a new name, same old stuff, innovation. And, um, and you know, but by the time we get that through the sales team and get that through the marketing team and get that through the people who are worried about where the price points sit and what their margins are, and it gets through all those meetings and then gets to the buyer. And then the buyer makes some changes that they want. And eventually that thing makes it to a shelf. It's gone through so many filters that, you know, you've really lost touch with the consumer. And now with direct to consumer, you know, we, that's, that's something that excited us because a lot of my network are these, are the creators. Yeah. And that's the part that excites us the most about the product. It isn't the selling into the wholesale channel and, and doing all this other stuff. It's, it's creating cool stuff for us that we know other people will like. And now we can go direct from the creator to the consumer. And that's, that to us is like the, the real reason we, we said, okay, this is something we got to do. Yeah, totally, man. That's so, that's so great. And, and, you know, I can attest, I, uh, it's definitely more comfortable than I was expecting. I, I, I went into it thinking like, ah, oh, I, I love the classic look, but like I went into it thinking like they would just be the classic feel too, which is, you know, we're spoiled with all this modern technology and other footwear, you know, to, yeah. to your point about working on like the boot side of things and the, you know, more utility utility side of things. Even that stuff is, you know, arguably more comfortable than, you know, the traditional sneakers from, you know, the, the fifties, sixties and seventies normally. And when I put these on, I definitely was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is a little different. And I think too, like, so by the time you listen to this, I'll have, you know, photos up on the sneaker history, Instagram and, and, you know, a YouTube video up about the shoes, 
But like one of the things that you mentioned is like the leather trim. I also noticed like there's like some double stitching there that like you just don't see in in kind of the cheaper, uh, I guess, entry level, you know, legacy product that a lot of the brands default to. Right. Because almost every brand under the sun makes some form of a canvas based shoe. But, you know, that's it's also like, you know, those brands are typically selling a a $150 shoe along with that canvas shoe. So that canvas shoe becomes, okay, how cheap can we get this? Right. Like there's no thoughts in, you know, the value that you're actually providing to the customers, which is definitely noticeable on these. I think, you know, once we get it into people's hands, the people that, that have, have worn them, tried them, seen them in real life, they, they're, I mean, the pot, it's been refreshingly positive. So it's, you know, I think when you see it from afar, you, you sort of automatically make an assumption on what the product is. Um, and then you think, wow, you know, it should be a different price. I think once you see the product, it's, we, we, like I said, nobody needed another brand kind of doing the same thing that no, we weren't excited about doing me too stuff. Um, I think everything we want to do is, like I said, try to elevate and, um, and try to, you know, improve and use modern techniques and products. Totally. Um, so you know, what kind of, what kind of roadblocks do you run into with a brand like this? And, and how do you, you know, I'm, I'm sure our listeners probably like you and I have anybody that's been in the footwear industry or been into sneakers in any way, shape or form kind of in the back of their mind always has the, I'm either going to start my own brand one day, or I'm going to open my own store one day, right? Those are kind of the two paths that most, or maybe I'm going to be a designer. Like, so you know, I guess walk us through what that even looks like, maybe because, you know, there's probably people that that may have seen, you know, a Jets ad in the past that popped up, you know, someplace and like, OK, well, how does a brand like that even return and where do you go to find the information on it? And like, you know, all that process for you had to have, had to have taken a lot of time. Right. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, we've been at it for a long time behind the scenes. I mean, we 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 launched to the public eye, you know, only uh, what was it, January three. So we, we're we're babies from that standpoint. But we've behind the scenes been at it for a while. Um, you know, part of it was just mining the history a little bit. And so we met with a guy named uh, Peter Deckover uh, out in Mishawaka. He's actually the I don't know what his official title is, but but he's he's a big part of the Mishawaka Historical Museum. And the guy and they actually have like a red ball because that was such a big part of that town. You know, at the time, this this brand was like in, in this factory was 40 acres of just all kinds of, you know, it was a, it was the Nike campus before, you know, before Nike, it was, it was a huge campus of many buildings uh, for manufacturing. And so it was a big part of this town. And so it's a big part of their history. And he, he was a a treasure trove of just a lot of knowledge and uh, sharing a lot of archival photos and things like that. So that was, that was kind of where we started was to understand the story a little bit more and the history. Um, And then sort of saying, well, what, what, what is the vision though? I mean, what we didn't want to be is just, just, just only be a historical silhouette, one one classic style and retell that same story. Um, what we sort of took from it was this is the last of the original sneaker brands and we're going to treat it like that. And so, you know, uh, in 1971, uh, somebody hit the pause button on the brand and we want to come along and hit the play button and sort of. And, and, and engage all these like world-class designers and, and developers that, that 
you know, that we're all that we're friends with and we've worked with and uh, are dying to get some projects uh, online with and say, look, what? So here's a brand that here's what it was in 1971. Where's it going? What can it be? Um, reimagine like all of those crazy silhouettes from the 80s and 90s. And can we do what's our version and what's our version using modern techniques or um, eco friendly, you know, materials and, you know, some of the innovation, you know, like ETPU and things like there's new things that we can get our hands on to sort of reimagine some of those those cool things. And so that's where we get fired up is, is our, our vision is really uh, so we wanted to start with the historical. And that was important. And we wanted, like I said, our first shoe needed to be a sort of nod to that uh, history. That's that's the whole magic of bringing this this thing back. But I think if we just relied on that, we'd, we'd get pretty bored ourselves. And then we know our consumers would be bored too. Our the community we, we want to build, the community we want to build are all the, the people that are that are excited about the creativity and, and the creative process and the expression and all the cool, you know, the, what makes sneakers cool. And um, so for us, we, we, this is our start. And, and we can, and now we're just going to evolve the whole sneaker story. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to relate this back to like, I think a lot of people from the sneaker world and, and people that have listened to this podcast, I've talked a lot about East Bay's roots because the catalog was such a big deal to like our generation. Right. And, you know, it just became a thing that we saw. It was like really the first introduction to like, wow, all these sneakers exist, you know, because you didn't have stores existed, but but it wasn't practice to just go into a store and look at sneakers, you know, in my childhood. Right. It was like the only access that I really had was to your point about about Red Ball Jets. Right. Like being the back of a, you know, a, a, a boy's life magazine or, or comic books or something. And that evolved into like, oh, there's a little more space than East Bay came along in the 80s. And was like, well, let's just make the whole thing about sneakers and, and you know, selling. But the beauty of that to me is I worked closely with East Bay for years and, you know, going up to Wausau, Wisconsin, you realize how much of an impact a company can have on a small town like that. And, you know, that's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's even more interesting, you know, the to, to be able to go find those roots, because even now with most brands, it's just glossed over, right? Like you mentioned the Nike campus and every person even people that aren't into sneakers have heard about the Nike campus because that's equally as flashy in marketing as the product itself for a lot of people. But like to hear that, you know, about um, red ball jets and, and kind of be able to realize like how big that is really kind of puts it into perspective. You know, I, I spent, you know, a couple of years living in Detroit four or five years ago. And like, you see the impact that some of these legacy industries <laughs> you weren't in detroit cheat. yep um but like you see the impact that these like like I, I say legacy industries in like a loving way right like it's just industry that hasn't embraced the change enough and you know obviously there's challenges that everybody faces with new everything but the the you kind of can easily feel the love for a company when you go back to their roots like that and understand where they're from because no matter where the company goes and how long it exists and who owns it and where, like the people from where it began always have great memories and, you know, like always love to hear about it. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about what you're doing here too. So. 
the the notes we've got. I mean, this brand went you know went away in 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 1971, and as I said, the the factory was imploded you know 22 years ago or whatever. The notes that we we get are really special and really just cool. And and you know from hey the guy that lived across the street from us he was a uh, he was the one of the supervisors and he would bring us into wear tests and I remember you know it's just it's really just cool it's it's a cool part it's i'm also working with peter just to to uh look there's no there is <laughs> to your point of you know if you don't evolve you go away there there is no vulcanized factory in the u.s and one of the last holdouts was the vans factory uh and even that left and i think they held out to the I, I could be wrong here but like the early 90s or something like that so um but there is no vulcanized uh, process here to, to we we've met with some u.s factories and we we have some made in the usa um projects sort of underway that will be out people don't understand how long the timeline is for footwear but that meaning that we're working on it today means you may not see it for a while but it's 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 something that is important to us we want to have a made in the usa product for for, our, for this american brand but there are no vulcanized uh factories in in the u.s anymore and and so we really can't do anything with with Mishawaka from that front, like say, hey, bring you know, bring back manufacturing to Mishawaka or whatever. Yeah. But we did, um, we we do, we are working with Peter and the Historical Society to just go down and do an event, and it's it's simply nothing more. And it's not like we're we're not going to sell swag, we're not going to sell stuff. We are literally going down to just celebrate uh, the re- the the sort of comeback of this brand and acknowledge that you know this is where this is where it's from. And, you know, Mishawaka, it's still a huge. A part of their fabric and um you know we we would be remiss if we brought this brand back and didn't at least do something for the community there and, and just sort of celebrate that coming back so we'll you know our plan right now is to set up a little bit of a beer garden out on on the park so when they imploded the old factory they actually put it in this waterfront park so we'll go to the park we'll actually sort of you know uh have a beer with the the community and and uh and have a toast and and sort of just celebrate you know what we're doing so, but you're right. It, the, the, the impact on these communities is, it's like I said, it's been a long time and these people are still happy to tell stories. It's just really cool. It means a lot. Yeah. I, I think it's something that, you know, kind of gets passed down generationally in these, in these places too. Right. You know, it's hard to imagine that now because everything is so fast paced. And, you know, as we talked before we started even recording, you can't even keep up with things that happen in your actual, like, work life, regular life stuff with social media. But that's, that's something that I, I think when it comes to these brands, it's, it's funny because even the, even the really like successful footwear brands, I would say don't really do a great job of, of finding those people, right? Like we're focused on this kind of like, Oh, this is like the exciting person and not to discredit what people do, because I know the work that goes into creating content and, you know, connecting with brands and even finding ways to work together is, is challenging for, for creators. But like, there's so many people that probably exist, you know, in that community that have heard the stories from their parents or their grandparents. And it's, it seems like as we're sitting here talking about, it, it seems like kind of like, how come, how come people don't do a better job of this? You know, like that seems like it's all, it's almost like you could take away the, to your point, you know, take away the sales aspect of just embracing what this is about and where it's from and be like, let's just go have beers and talk about this like legacy that exists that 
it's all around us, but we just haven't, we haven't seen it and talked about it, you know? And like, once you get to that point, I imagine, you know, it's, it probably fuels your fires for even running forward with the brand as well. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, inspiring is a, you know, to know that, you know, again, this brand from a long time ago is still, it meant something. This is these people's childhood and they, they remember. And it's like, and even when I look at, I'm also as a footwear guy, it's, it's crazy to watch the old ads where they're talking about like, where these, they'll make you jump high or run faster, stop on a dime. Um, and they're, and they, and they pull out the insole and they're talking about the feature, the arch guard gives you more support and, and you can do all these things. And it's like, you know, I sit through brand meetings with other, other footwear companies and they're saying kind of the same things. Like, you know, red ball jets was saying this in the, in the fifties and sixties that, and we're still having meetings trying to say the same stuff now. And it's, it's crazy, you know, and it's, I, I always think back sneakers for me, I didn't become really self-aware of footwear until sixth grade and, you know, and you and I are about the same as Air Jordan. Right. So until it was, it's gotta be the shoes. And, and I was at the right, just gullible age for that. Like we were all watching the slam dunk contest and we, we were, you know, that was in just, and so what he was doing out there and then promoting the shoes and basically sort of connecting the dots that man, I can probably, you know, what, what can these do for me? Like if I wear these shoes, I can, I can play better too. It wasn't until that, you know, that shoe or that time in my life where I really paid attention. But when I watched these old commercials, like they were saying the exact same thing. They're like, you just, all you got to do is wear our shoes. You will, you will shoot lights out, you know? And you know, so they were, they were, they were, they were running that same scam back in the fifties and sixties. Um, but I, I remember, and I also remember, do you remember that, that there was the air Jordan and then the sky Jordan? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was when I was the poor kid that rolled in thinking he was cool with the Sky Jordans, <laughs> and I got reprimanded immediately. And that's when I I realized that was like the first sort of aspirational time of my life for sneakers was like, oh, I gotta get the Air Jordan, you know? Yeah. Like so, sixth grade. That was that was that was my coming into the sneaker business. Yeah, totally. Yep, I'm sure plenty of our listeners can relate to that because it's definitely a, a common thread amongst all of us around around our age too. But, um, <laughs> So I guess like, you know, I'm excited to hear that you're looking into to the made in the USA stuff. You know, that's something that I think, I mean, political talk aside, that's something that I think is long overdue for, for the footwear industry. There's, there's people that are doing things, interesting things all over the place in the U S but I think that, uh, there's, there's nobody that's really embracing that enough to not to say that we should go back and start making vulcanized factories, you know, like, I'm definitely not suggesting that, but I do find that aspect of footwear really fascinating. And, and I think it, you know, at least personally, I think that's a really, uh, you know, it's a really inspiring way to, to, you know, kind of potentially at least look in that direction, even if it doesn't work out right. Like, you know, knowing that makes me feel much better about having these conversations even because we can find all the other stuff elsewhere. Right. I guess is the best way for me to say it. It it is. There's a reality to it that there's, there's sort of an, um, there's an aspirational part of made in the USA. Um, and there's a reason there's sort of a very specific type of construction that, that is made here. Um, typically welted, it's typically work boot type product. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was a, a part of a group that, that, you know, had, had that owned uh, a, a made in USA factory for footwear. And I can tell you it's, there's, it's just, you know, when you move a whole industry away, it's, it, there's no infrastructure to support it. Every little thing is significantly harder and costs more. And, um, 
And it all, you know, it all, all rolls up into a much more expensive product. And now you're only talking to a very select a group of people. And, and it's hard. And especially with footwear, more than almost any other sort of when I talk apparel and footwear, you know, you can get ball caps and socks and T-shirts and a lot of things made in the USA a little easier than footwear because it's just so there are so many different parts and pieces to footwear and, and, and um, made of all these different materials. And it's also just super labor intensive. And, and so, um, I think it's important and I, I totally agree with you. Part of what we loved about, um, having a factory in the U S was just feeling like we were making a difference and seeing people, you know, we, you know, all these people that were employed and working here and it was, it felt great. I will also be honest with you. We lost money every year. We eventually had to, had to sell, sell the factory. Um, and we were full. We, it was, but it's just, a, it's just the, the reality. Uh, it's, we're not quite there with footwear, but I think we've got to keep finding programs to put there. And so I've met with, uh, at least two different, uh, made in the USA factory factories that can make cold cement products that, uh, we think can make athletic sneakers and things like that, that we're going to work with. So we, I totally agree with you and believe that, you know, you got to start somewhere. And the more we can sort of just keep creating cool things that, pe- you know, made in the USA that people want to buy, the industry will, will follow. And I, so I think we'll get there. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, and I think, you know, it, 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 it takes, you know, guys like you and, and companies like, like, you know, Red Ball Jets to like help push that forward too. Because I think to your point, like, the sneaker, the sneaker community that's listening to this podcast, and I've talked about this at length in, in previous episodes, but like the sneaker community that listens to this podcast is a very small, but energetic and loud piece of the footwear <laughs> industry as a whole. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to understand that when you go on Twitter or Instagram and only see Nike or only see screenshots of the Nike app and, and, you know, those kind of things. But I think the real like change comes from such smaller players in the space. And eventually that change becomes something that you get these, we have, we have like almost like these huge, huge shifts that can occur when a core group of, of consumers gets really excited about a product and then it just takes on a life of its own. And next thing you know, you know, the, the big dogs are looking in and going like, wait, what's going on over there? You know, and I think that's it takes a lot of trial and error. And I think that's kind of why I was excited to talk to you about the brand, because it's like. Like I said, when I when I put them on first, the, the pair that I got, you know, it was just like, OK, like whoever's making this gets it like it's it's not. Yes, it looks very legacy and, you know, nostalgic, but I love that part about it. But like any of those other shoes throughout the years have been you know, to your point, like the most basic, you know, the insole is, you know, five millimeters and, you know, it's the same old tired foam that you've never wanted to use. And, you know, so I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm really interested to see where you go from here with that stuff. So we're, we're still, I mean, we, we're, we feel like we're the little guy, you know, we, we feel like we get to be a, a little bit of a disruptor. Um, and you sort of mentioned like, you know, a lot of times it's the big guys kind of do what they're good at and where they have sort of economies of scale and a lot of other things, but you know, it's, it's the little guys that sort of find, find the new, the new way, you know, the new trend or what, whatever it is. And, uh, and then hopefully, you know, they, they fall 
you know, the big guys sort of look and say, wait, what's going on here? Um, it's, it's the little guys that are the innovators and the disruptors and all that stuff. And that's kind of the role we, we see ourselves playing. And, and you're going to start to see that in our marketing and in our product and just the way we go, because we don't have, we don't have to answer to shareholders and, you know, we're not a publicly traded company. We don't have, you know, our, we're not worried about just the quarterly earnings and what the share prices are. And we don't have, we're not beholden to any of that. We, we're really sort of product, product and consumer, for, like we just creators to consumers and we're as little in between as possible, you know, and that's, that's, that's the, the focus. Yeah. And I think too, like that will give you a, a really, you know, people love to be able to connect to the brands and feel a part of the story, right? Because to your, to your point, you know, the people that were a part of this story, you know, the first, the first model that you brought back is the 51, right? Assuming that's the first the first of the shoes that, that red ball jets made. And, um, you know, the people that were around for that still tell that story for that, you know, couple of decades that the factory existed there and it was a big part of life and creators now are that person, right? Like, yeah. you know, on the, you know, not creators in the sense of the people making the product with you, but like creators that are, you know, creating content and sharing on social media and all this stuff. But like, they also all crave that personal connection that you're never going to get from a big giant brand. Right. And you and I both know working in this industry so long, people move from place to place so much that like, you know, I, I'm never attached to the logo on the shoe for my work because I I'm connected to the person, you know, it's like, yeah. I, if I, if you like working with people and doing things and figuring things out with people, then you just want to work with them. So inevitably that cycle happens throughout that side of the business too, where it's like, Oh, well, we didn't work. We haven't worked together for a few years, but like now we're both in a new place and, doing new things and that excitement comes in, but going direct to consumer, you get a completely different potential. You know, the, the, the potential is so much higher in my opinion that, you know, I can just imagine like you've probably had conversations around where you go with that because the, the, the brand is going to be carried by the people that get it in a way that most brands can't do because there, there's so many middle people throughout, you know? That's the most exciting part. We talk a lot in our in our meetings about the community, our, the community we're, we're building. And and, um, and it's really about and, and it's an overused statement, I think, in a lot of ways, but it, the engagement and it. And, but we mean it genuinely like we I want to know what what they're passionate about outside of sneakers. I want to know what they love uh, about sneakers. I want to know, you know, we, we want to, we want to engage, you know, in a super meaningful way. Um, because you know, this it's at the end of the day, it is, it's bigger than sneakers out there. There is, you know, we, we want to connect with people and sort of have this, this lifestyle and this, this group of people, like-minded, positive, passionate, creative people. That's a little bit, uh, pioneering, you know, you, if you want to be, a, and I, I don't mean this as a slam, but I, I just, you know, if you want to be, a, a, you know, there, th there's a lot of other brands, especially if you look at our, our, our first product that looks similar. And if you, you want, you know, those brands are much bigger and they've been out there. And, um, you know, if you want to wear those, you, you know where to get those. But, you know, if you want to try something a little different and be a little indie, um, then, you know, maybe you try us. And, and so that there, that takes us a, a unique person, right? That's, that's somebody who's, who, like you said, gets it or just is looking for something different and looking for something, uh, new and fresh and with a new story or whatever. And so we're, we're looking forward to sort of just 
collecting this this group and you know i think there's more than sneakers that we can talk about with 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 that kind of community and that energy and like i said people that celebrate this hyper creative passion um i think we're we can have a lot of fun and hopefully we can also find ways to do a lot of good and, and use you know like so for instance the the thing in mishawaka we've talked about if we did do some kind of um gave a special code or something for people that came out to buy a product we would do a a, a pretty significant kickback to the historical museum there right so it's we we wouldn't really be there to to, to make you know make a make a buck but we could make a difference right and so i think there there's that part of it too right so yes we're going to be bringing product in that's uh, we'll do some projects that are made in the USA. Yes, we'll do some products that are better for the environment because that's just our responsibility as human beings um, to do. And and not just because that's what the playbook says you're supposed to do because everybody has to have something. Like, well, let's genuinely do something right. And can we also... Um, you know, do, do something just socially. Can we, can we use this, this power, this movement to do good things, you know, in addition to being a business, we have to be a, a business, of course, but, you know, if we manage to stay in business, we can also manage to do some good with, you know, with what we're doing too. And, and that's kind of, that's the part that gets us excited, man. It's, it's, it can, it, it's going to be a cool thing once we get rocking and rolling here. Sounds awesome, man. Um, I guess, uh, you know, so I talked a little bit about the, the 51 high is kind of the intro product. Um, just redballjets.co, right? I believe it's the website. Co. Yeah. Uh, um, and I guess like last question for you, kind of what, what do you imagine on the product side going forward that you could share with us about that, what that future looks like? Oh man. Well, you know, one of the hardest things we have, honestly, is we have like two, we have too many ideas and it's sort of like trying to pump the brakes and say, okay, look, this is all amazing, but you know, we can't just fire hose this stuff all over the, like we need to be meaningful in what we're trying and, and have intent in what we're trying to do. So, um, we have a lot of ideas. I can tell you that, um, one thing that's sort of interesting in the in the immediate future is, you know, we certainly need to do a low and we'll be bringing that out this summer because that's just season. That just makes sense for the, for the warm weather coming. Um, so we'll do that. And we do want to explore a little bit more in this vulcanized sort of like, OK, vulcanized is, a, is, is seen as this old construction. But can, can we can we modernize it and what can we do with that? And sort of so our, you know, can we do a modern version of, you know, the old school vulcanized process? And so we're playing some of that. And yeah, I'll just stop there because I could we could go on. I got, we have a lot of ideas, man. We'll be back. We'll we'll be back and we'll show you what we're doing. But you know, I've already you know probably said too much. I'm probably going to get in trouble. But um, with Made in the USA and just some other stuff, we got like I said, no lack of ideas and excitement, man. Uh, but I think in the near future, you're going to see low uh, some some low cuts, and you'll see some, us sort of explore that vulcanized construction uh, a little deeper. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'll definitely be watching for it. Uh, if, if you are interested in Redball Jets, like I said, redballjets.co. Um, I believe that's the social handles. I'll put the links in the description for anybody that wants them. Uh, any, any, any parting words from you, Nate? No, man, I just, no, I, other than gratitude and just to say, I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, we've been LinkedIn buddies for a while because I've, I've paid attention to what you're doing and I, I just appreciate you giving us the time and look forward to seeing you again, man. Of course, man. I, I appreciate you giving us the time and, and sharing a little bit about the company and look forward to what you guys are doing and we'll definitely keep in touch. 
thank you everyone for listening in. Make sure you connect with Red Ball Jets uh, on the social links below, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, do us a solid and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Give us a rating on Spotify or Amazon Music, and make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel because we have even more content coming for you in 2022. Speaking of new content, we have an amazing community of sneaker enthusiasts that hang out in the Sneaker History Discord on a daily basis. While sneakers is the connection point that brought us all together, we've all discovered countless shared passions we have in common with other people within the community. We recently launched the first of a handful of new podcasts that will be coming directly from our sneaker history community. We'll get into the details for those in a future episode, but I'm excited to share that the Exhaust Notes podcast is now live. Now, this is a show about the world of cars, racing, and other automotive-related topics. If you're a fan of Formula One, Formula Drift, cars and coffee, or you're just a weirdo like me that enjoys the smell of gasoline, I think you'll enjoy this one. If you do, add Exhaust Notes to your subscribe list so you'll be updated when we drop future episodes. As always, thank you for supporting Sneaker History, and don't forget to tell someone you like their kicks today. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.